Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We've got all four of us back on the show today. Rudo, AJ, Jesse, and Megan. Uh, this is a Monday, so it's it's roundtable day. Yo, it's DNVR. shaping up to be the Monday. Wow. Yeah, for, for not the Avs, but for the Nuggets, it's the Monday for sure. What's the opposite of Black Friday, Black Monday, whatever? Which one was the one the market crashed on? Is that a Black Monday? Was it Cyber I mean, Monday? <laughs> no, no uh, Cyber Black Monday Tuesday. is a thing. It was Black Tuesday. I was going to say, I, I think it was Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, this can be not the opposite of Black Tuesday for the Nuggets. Uh, obviously, all the good vibes to the Nuggets. We are going to be talking hockey a little bit today, a little bit of, of Avs news and otherwise. Uh, did want to start with this per Elliot Friedman and 32 Thoughts. EJ no interest in retiring. Not that this is all that surprising. I think we've all kind of expected that he still wants to play. Is there room on him or is there room for him rather on the Colorado avalanche? I mean, he, he's a player for me that right. AJ's right. If like, there's a, there's room if you want there to be room, it's just a matter of what is it going to cost you relative to the role that you're looking for him to play? If you're asking, is there a role? Is there room for a six-seven guy for Eric Johnson on the Abs? Yeah, there absolutely is that role. If he's going to want to get paid more like a four-five guy, though, I just don't think it makes sense. Yeah, I I don't even know if you can rely on him as a six. To be honest with you, I think the issue with Josh Manson's health being so uncertain makes it really risky to take a gamble on another player who hasn't had a complete healthy season now for a little bit. I think that's the concern with EJ is when he's healthy, I think he's a satisfactory third pairing guy, but it's just, there's no guarantee that he stays healthy for the entirety of the season. And his body is definitely, it's taken a toll. There's a lot of mileage on it now. I'm interested if the money makes sense completely. Like he's trusted. I know that it's hard to put a price on the familiarity of being acquainted with the AF systems instead of taking a swing on someone totally unfamiliar. But if Jack Johnson's also healthy, it's challenging. I worry about the mobility um, and his fit in Colorado anymore. But as we have seen with Jack Johnson, that kind of guy can make it work. Yeah. Um, but there were times last year where EJ looked bad and his on ice results really weren't. Whoa. Whoa. It's a hail? That sounded that like it's thunder. Thunder. Yeah. Did you guys see me jump? That sounded Dude. like a movie. Your house just got struck by lightning, bro. Dude, <laughs> yeah. I, my, my house was definitely shaking on that. <clears throat> if my power goes out, I, I, may, <laughs> I may just drop off this show at some point. <laughs> Woo! That, uh... <clears throat> I see. Yeah, I was going to say, man, we were talking about heart rates getting elevated earlier. That, woo! All right. I'm, I'm, I'm good for now. God damn. Uh, I don't know where I was. I was going to say, I'm sorry. That I, I apologize. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, you apologize for the thunder. EJ's <laughs> underlying numbers, not actually that bad. No, no. His on-ice results are honestly pretty consistent with his career. Uh, so it's not it's not like they saw a major drop-off in effectiveness in that regard. But when you were watching him play, you were like, man, 
this is this is he has become a worse fit as his mobility has gone on. The guy that we've become so accustomed to, uh, it's it's tough, and there's such a dearth of defensemen with size and a little bit of do it all ability, uh, especially in free agency this year that. I could see a team wanting to give him two or three million dollars on a two or three year deal that that would say, hey, he's a veteran guy. We want him to do that. You know, you you look at honestly a team like the Anaheim Ducks to kind of go and be if he's not worried about competing, if he wants to get paid, if he wants a little bit of security, you know, the Ducks and the familiarity with Cronin and going in with such a young defense, having Cam Fowler and Eric Johnson kind of steward in this next generation of uh, young D prospects that they're going to be bringing into the NHL over the next two or three years. I I, I wonder if that's a lot more appealing to, to him as a guy who has a house in SoCal already. <laughs> you know, I, so I, I just, his priorities will play a role in this because I do think there will be offers from a, a team like the Ducks that'll say, hey, yeah. we want a veteran guy. I, there could be plenty, you know. Minnesota could be could be a fun little thing for him to. They need to they need to replace guys on the cheap. He could go go back home, uh, you know, play for the Wild for a couple of years, you know. Although we would look at that and say that's traitorous. Um, I mean, he's from Minnesota, so. I just I wonder, like I I wonder what that market looks like, and I wonder if it just ends up being too robust <laughs> for for him and the Avs to just say, yeah, one year at. 950k we'll do that and here's go ahead go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say the 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 issue for me that we that i think we saw with eric johnson the most this year was he's lost the ability to slide up the lineup that's kind of where i think he's at and that was where i think we saw some of his toughest games this year were when the injuries were starting to stack and they were asking him to step into that top four that to me was where it was the most glaringly obvious of this is not part of his game anymore. I would really like AJ's suggestion about um, Anaheim. Megan, I think you and I talked about this on an at the one of the last at the rings right after the season the, what ended. What comes next for EJ? And it's like, yeah. or if not the Avs, who? And yeah. for really similar reasons. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I think Anaheim makes sense. I mean, if, if a team like LA, I, I don't really know what their core looked like. If they were interested in him as a six, seven type guy, again, AJ makes the comment about he's got a house in Southern California. That to me is a stuff just from the, the bit that I've gotten to know uh, EJ in the last couple of years. I, I think now that he's got his cup, that is the kind of stuff that he's going to prioritize. I want to play. I want to make what I feel I'm worth and I want to do it somewhere where I'm comfortable um, you know, AJ, I think you and I talked about this, you know, privately, I don't know how strong his ties are to Minnesota, even though, you know, he's from there. I don't know how much he's really, you know, I don't think he goes back there a lot. Um, so, you know, again, a team like LA, I think is interesting because that's a team that's on the up big time on the up, maybe could fit in somewhere as a real depth guy. Or I really do like the suggestion of Anaheim. He could play a prominent role help shepherd in the next crop of, of young high-end defensemen and kind of get to start the process over again um, now that he's got his ring. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what he decides to do. Something so, that would make me feel a lot better about this too is if the Avs could do something with Curtis McDermott's contract in the offseason. He takes up 
cap space that it's like that could actually explain an Eric Johnson contract making sense in Colorado if Curtis McDermott wasn't here through next season. And that sounds really mean, but if they could come up with a solution for that now, it would actually really talk me into Eric Johnson a lot more. That's a great call out, Megan. Yeah. And just for to back that up, it's the abs have kept Curtis McDermott on their roster for every single game for both years. If you could transfer that contract to EJ, I think you probably do it. My one big issue for EJ that uh, Jesse, you were even talking about this in the 21, 22 season. And the reason why you might look at a Jack Johnson over him is that EJ's transition into this type of player has not gone. Well, you still see him get on the ice and think he can skate like he could four years ago. Mm. And he tries to do things that just his legs don't do anymore. It's the biggest one for me is the penalty kill. He flashes out high and he just can't get back into position as quickly as he needs to. I mean, and you're not even talking about stretching the 200 feet, like you're saying, Rudo, you know, trying to get that engine going. That to me is his number, number one issue maybe seems a bit dramatic, but you know, that to me is a big indicator of exactly what you're talking about there, Rudo. He's always tried to be mobile, be active on penalty kills, get out to the boards, challenge loose pucks, and he just can't get back to position. And they got burned a lot this year on a guy missing from in front of the net. And there was a lot of instances where it was Eric Johnson. So I, it's just tough when you compare that to someone like Jack Johnson, who I know doesn't have the best underlying numbers or anything like that. <clears throat> but you see Johnson understand exactly who he is as a player at this point in his career and how to play that style of hockey. To, to Jesse's point, uh, EJ's PK performance was in the 11th percentile. Pretty bad. Pretty bad. So uh, 89% of NHL defensemen are better at the PK than what EJ has been. So to whoever ends up with Eric Johnson, I would say be a, be realistic about the player that you're getting when you go and get that guy, even if it is, and, is the abs bringing him back. And, and here's the, here's what I do think will be the tough part, especially if it is the abs that decide to, you know, make a deal here. You trying to balance the player that you're getting on the ice versus what he does bring off the ice. I mean, still very highly regarded in the abs locker room. Uh, I mean, fantastic with the media. He's always willing to chat really smart guy, good leader. Um, and that's all of everything I just said. There is why I think a team like Anaheim would be interested in a guy like Eric Johnson, but there's going to have to be somewhere where the team that signs him, whether it's the abs or whoever balances. Yes. All of that is great. Those intangibles are, are hard to find, especially for a guy like this, who's been around the organization, longest tenured pro athlete in Denver, all of that versus what he contributes on the ice. It's going to be an interesting balancing act for like your point to your point, Rudo, whoever decides to do that. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I want to get a little bit more into this conversation of how quickly the Avs offseason should start shaping up. Uh, but we'll do that in a little bit. First, we also have a roundtable up on thednvr.com. Go check it out. Go give it a read where we all gave our thoughts on a handful of topics involving uh, playoffs and traditions and whether the Columbus Blue Jackets are idiots. Uh We'll we'll get into all of those. Let's let's start with the fun, or in my case, the fun hating. Playoff traditions are they fun, cool things that we need more of, or should I continue hating them with a passion? 
I don't think we need more of them. I think they're in a good spot. <laughs> you know, I struggled with this because before I read your opinion on it, Rudo, I was pretty cool with the rats and the octopi and other various objects. However, what you described, the slippery slope of it lending itself to poor fan behavior, we've sort of even seen in these playoffs just with fans feeling comfortable throwing things onto the ice when they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And there's no room for that in the sport, and that is what makes it genuinely a slippery slope because I do like the other side of it where it sparks a little bit of rivalry between teams (laughs) when the home fans do get involved in that way and get excited about it. But I do want to emphasize hockey fans don't want – to harm their reputation as a fan base by getting carried away and throwing things onto the ice inappropriately. I, I would, the only thing I would push back on Rudo's fun hating is that like every, every, every sport has that issue of fans throwing stuff on. Now I will say, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the, I do think the plastic rats are different than the other, like the octopus, the catfish, they throw uh, like one on the ice with those things. It's a little well, bit they, more controlled. Yeah. Well, and they throw one on the ice and it's like, yeah, you got to go through quite a bit to get that in the door and you got to have a dead octopus in your pants as you come through security. So like, if you get that all the way down to the fifth row, go for it, throw it onto the ice. I'm with you. Like they sell the plastic rats at whatever it is now, BB and T center. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Uh, like they sell them there. There's nothing stopping you from throwing them whenever, uh, you know, it's supposed to be like as, at a big moment, big win, end of the game, whatever. So I, I'll give you the plastic rats are easier to get a little bit carried away. But I, I do think as weird and gross and not really make sense is the octopus, the catfish. Uh, is it a trout now that Seattle fans are doing? Like, I do think it's fun. It's a little bit. It, it gives a it gives a uniqueness to a team, to a franchise. I feel like there are ways to do that without throwing stuff on the ice. That's all. And and it, this goes beyond even like traditions, like, well, five, six years ago when Philly made the playoffs last time, they handed out the wristbands and they ended up heaving those onto the ice when they lost. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You just, you uh, can't give, you can't give fans throwable objects and not expect them to pelt the ice with them later. Uh, how do you feel about tricks? Are... Do you feel any type of way? I so I don't mind the hats oh. going on the ice with hat tricks for two reasons. One, it's going to happen during a stoppage in play. Two, hats can't really hurt anybody. Like if you get hit in the head with a hat, it's you're not going to get concussed unlike a fish or a plastic thing. What? what? Rats going to give you a concussion? Yeah, I was going to say, bro. Now, now we're now we're arguing two different sides it's, here. They're the same, co- like, not the not the point because I'm going to continue being the fun hater here. I yeah. hate that it delays the game as long as it does. That that many hats come down and fans keep throwing them, and then they have to clear them off, and then a couple more hats come on, and they have to go and pick the. I hate it. I I, See, I feel like you probably loved the COVID year. No fans in the building. I did. Just I genuinely yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone stay home. No one leave their houses and just watch these games. The players take a tunnel system to the house, to the rink. Had they never go outside. Had they not piped in the fan noise, it would have like I'd have never gone back. Like 
if it was just the in arena sound raw with nobody in it but the players oh i loved it this 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 is maybe your worst take of of all of your horrific weird takes this might be the worst i want an empty arena this isn't an argument for the rats but i just think so fondly of the memory of patrick Waugh saying there will be no more rats as something yeah. that can spark players to get involved. Like even something like Tanev flipping off an avalanche fan. Okay. This is actually really different. I think I've launched into a different conversation. <laughs> but when Wait, didn't he blow a kiss? Get... He blew a oh, kiss. Sorry, yeah. right. He blew a kiss. She flipped yeah. him off. Yeah. 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 I was like, Oh, I missed Players that. get involved with the arena and what's the fans are doing. I, I like that side of it. Also. So sorry. Tanev just blew a kiss very dramatic but i i like it when the players can get involved with what's going on with the fan base i i don't mind the players getting involved i do think that's great the the all-time clip of the chicago player laughing at the fan that gets hit by a puck Steve uh, Sullivan. yeah I, I do think those moments are cool but i just i don't love the manufactured aspect of but what's Some manufactured about it? They're not like in the stands, like throw that rat. We're kicking your ass. Like, it's just, it's like a fan camaraderie thing. There's nothing forced about it. There's nothing manufactured about it. Eh, okay. I'm, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll let it go at this point. I'm clearly fighting a losing battle on this, this panel. So, uh, uh, on that note, well, for the record, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Thank in you. The, in the, Ooh. I don't, I, I, hat tricks are great. The hats raining down after a hat trick is awesome. I love that. Um, the other, otherwise, throwing stuff onto the ice, uh, miss me with it. I'm not. I'm not into that. Um, it's just not my thing. I love players and fans interacting, like when they're in the penalty box and stuff. Like that's always a good time. Um, that stuff is great. But I, yeah, I don't like the throwing the stuff on the ice. It's just, I just, it just doesn't resonate with me at all. Bring back the green men in Vancouver. They were fun. Yeah. <laughs> they were fun. Uh, okay. We are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You cannot bet on how many rats will hit the ice uh, in a Florida Panthers game, although I guess game five's in Vegas, so probably very few rats. Uh, but you can go over there and you can get a new account with the DNVR code, bet $5 on anything, and get $200 in bonus bets instantly whether that's the nba finals the nhl finals look both of these series could be over in the next couple of days so you got to get your sports betting in while you can you wouldn't want to bet on baseball alone would you 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 want to bet on a actual well i actually betting on baseball is like probably the way i've made the most money on DraftKings, to be honest with you but uh anyway you can bet on whatever you want when it comes to DraftKings. make sure you use the dnvr code when you sign up with the DraftKings sportsbook app when you bet that five dollars you'll get two hundred dollars in free bets instantly and then two hundred dollars to i mean you know maybe you're into some crazy sports and you want to bet on some sport that i've never even heard of that is no doubt on DraftKings uh because they genuinely have everything over there it's wild uh when you head over to DraftKings, use the dnvr code if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in massachusetts 800-327-5050 uh, or visit gambling helpline 
hopeandwhyma.org in New York. You can call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Kansas. You can call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Opt-in and 10 plus legs required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Got there. Uh, Also brought to you all by the fantastic people at Volo Sports. If betting on sports isn't your thing, maybe playing sports is more your style. Volo Sports is the biggest social sports company in the United States. They're a great business as well. They have adults get together and play these sports uh, so kids can play for free as a separate 501c3. Uh, Kids get sports camps and uh, a bunch of other events thanks to Volo and their income. Uh, the DNVR crew right now has a bowling league that goes every Monday, so you can come throw balls at pins with us if that's your thing. But they have tons of sports with Volo. We've uh, transitioned into kickball. State. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's it's I'm I don't know, man. I need this rain to stop. That'd be nice. So we can uh, we can really get the sports going up and running. But but tons of sports. You name it. I already mentioned kickball and bowling, volleyball, pickleball. Uh, they have basketball pickup. They have flag football. They have tons of other things, too. It's all over the city as well. Lodo, Rhino, Uptown, City Park, Highlands, Sloan's Lake, Cherry Creek, GU, Inglewood, Arvada, Aurora, Northfield, and more. Check them out. It's 10 bucks a month for the first three months if you get the beta version of their Volo Pass. You can also sign up for an entire year after the first three months. It's 20 bucks a month or $200 for a year. It's just a fun time. Go to volosports.com slash Denver today. You also can use code DNVR10 to get $10 off your order. So that's basically the first month free to just check it out and see what all the cool sports are about. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Getting into uh, where do you guys want to go first? Do you want to talk about the cup final? Or do you guys want to talk about Columbus in the offseason? It's up to you. You're, no you're driving this bus. All right. Our, our title's about the offseason. Let's, let's talk about the offseason. We have to start here with Columbus because Columbus is the team moving and shaking in the off season. Now we've already talked a little bit about Babcock joining them. They've now gone out and got both Ivan Provorov and Damon Severson. Severson, they've signed a fairly sizable contract. Um, are these moves making Columbus better? Let's start there. Well, yeah. I mean, they were icing a defense full of nobody last year. Sure. Um, like I'm like, not to, dog the guys that should have been in the AHL who played for them last year, but give me a break here. Uh, you know, they lose Zach Wierenski like eight games into the season. Right. Uh, and they were already facing some challenges. Uh, they they gave Eric and Branson a ridiculous contract uh, and he's awful. <laughs> I don't I, yeah. I don't know of any other way to say it. He's awful. Um, he, had, he had one less awful season and he parlayed that into a four by four from them. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like they'll, they'll be better. Damon Severson, devil devil's fans treated Damon Severson the way that a lot of abs fans treat Sam Gerard, where people on the outside are like, this guy's, this guy's, this guy's fine. What's Seems the issue here? Yeah. 
But the people that watch him every day are like, this guy's the worst player in the world. He's going to drive <laughs> you crazy. You're going to hate him. Everything is bad. Uh, in reality, Severson's like a he's a good he's a good second pairing player. Uh, Rensky, Provorov, they they help, but you're also talking about uh, an organization that has invested multiple first round picks. Well, uh, on on defense, you know, Yurichek is coming. Yep. Uh, Stanislav, I can't say his last name. Just call him. Stan. Just call him. Yeah. Stan. Yeah, I've never been able to. I don't know what it is. My brain can't get to it. Um, you, you, like, all these guys are on the way. And, uh, you know, Yurichek was great in the AHL uh, as a teenager. So you're, you're, you really are talking about a, a super intriguing group now. I'm really curious who's on the outs, though. Because between Jake Bean and Adam Boakfast, they have, for, like, guys they invested in, young first-round picks, that that they are it should be Jake doing, Bean. It should doing be Jake what Bean on the at outs. this point because both of those guys are natural puck movers that that you would say are more offensively oriented but neither one of them can stay healthy where do they go what do they where do what do they do from there uh there's they're really in like a fascinating position now because with that third that third pick, I put it in our roundtable today. If they really want to kick this thing into high gear, they call – weird that I'm going back to this, but they call Anaheim, and they say, hey, we'll offer you third overall for Trevor Zegras, straight up, and let the Ducks pick second and third and start to rebuild their gener- their their next generation through this draft and all the young defenders that they've got. All those timelines would align. Trevor Zegras is going to be a couple years older than that, and would immediately drop in between Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine uh, and give Columbus a really fun top line. Like, if they wanted to get, if they wanted to really get bold with this, they would be trying to move that third pick for, you know, a, a Mitch Marner or Willie Nylander, something like that, right? Like, go out there and get really bold with that third pick, knowing that it's really valuable. Uh, I, I think that they, they could... Uh, they could put themselves in a position to really tie this whole thing together and kickstart it and be scary right away. See, and, th- th- and that's what they're trying ahead. to do. I think uh, is it, you look at these moves, obviously they had already been committed to, to Johnny Gaudreau. They have three more years of Patrick Laine. Yes. They've, they've made the decision to try and be successful in the immediate and not, but, but, but again, is that really what these moves tell you? When they when the, you sign Damon Severson to an eight year deal, yeah, that means it's time to go. I, yeah, I, I I I disagree. I mean, like I'm with AJ on this. Like to me, these moves are like you're not competing with that. You're probably not even making the playoffs with these moves. And, and to me, the long term deal on Damon Severson says we're not going here in the next couple of years. That means we we have a we're trying to we're trying to hit a longer target than this. Like AJ said, we've got a bunch of young kids. We're trying to hit this for five years from now. If, if, if they were four serious, five years about, from now, Gaudreau's thirty-four. Like, that, this, this is this is my gone. this is my point. This is my point. This is why I think what they're doing so far is t- I I don't like these moves because they're 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 two in the middle. What like I'm with AJ. Go do something bold if you're actually wanting to compete. If you're gonna try to nibble around the edges edges and go from fifteen points back of the next closest Eastern Conference team to contending. 
You're out of your mind. All you're going to do is piss away Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line's prime. These moves don't do any of that to me. These moves don't say they're going for it. Unless there's a lot to come after this, a, a long-term deal for Damon Severson does not move the needle for me in the slightest. All right, Megan, is Yarmo a genius or an idiot? I So, like, I kind of separated these each out separately because I don't value Provorov that highly, but he was a necessary component that they needed. They needed to bolster their back end after losing Gavrikov. They did especially need to. And because they can get LA to retain part of that, it's a net positive in my eyes. I wrote about it because, okay, they did need to fill this hole, but I don't think it, it changes things in their decor dramatically. As for Severson, it definitely adds a little bit more talent to the blue line, but it, especially more production, I think that they can count on from him. But I'm not sure how to read how that's going to age an eight-year deal for a 28-year-old. That's an interesting age to, to bank on for such a long time that alongside what they did with Goudreau the year before, which I think is important and worth noting because I think these things in Columbus's eyes are meant to be viewed together. Like these are meant to be aggressive swings that I mm -hmm. happen to feel they are trying to be competitive closer to right now. I still don't feel like they are competitive starting right now, but I feel like that's what the aim is in doing this because now we have Goudreau, which was a big swing last year. Um, it's interesting too, the part about like, how are they trying to support the talent in Columbus right now? And I find it interesting because I'm not even confident they can get a fully healthy season out of line A next year. That's going to be an interesting thing that has a lot to do with how I feel about Columbus being competitive anytime soon. The other thing is goaltending. I, I think that he had a little bit of a difficult year, but this is something that you hope get, gets better. And then looking at their young core, like we've seen with Alex Newhook, which is a different comparison when young players, you want to see them rise to the occasion and they need to see that out of Slinger, especially. I'm not sure that remains to be seen. And so putting it all together, like it, it I think they're a better team than they were before they did all of this. I think that is categorically true, but there's so much uncertainty around who is going to be the leader that brings this group together and, and gets them there. And I don't know if it's Babcock. I don't have confidence that it is. And so all the moves aside with the players, I have the least confidence in Mike Babcock as the coach. Well, so so my, my thing with it, I mean, Megan just went on for two minutes about all the question marks that still sit around this team. And that's why I'm sitting here saying, like, I, I just, I, I'm, you know, we, I think we talked about it before the pod started. Like, I have a ton of respect for the way that Yarmo Kekalainen runs this group. He's always willing to make, you know, bold moves and go for it and this, that, and the other. But to me, I just take a step back and look at this team and I'd say there were so many problems with it last year. Having uh, um, Zach Wierenski back obviously would help. There's question marks about Line A's health. There's holes all over the rest of the roster. You don't know what you're doing in net. Like this to me, if if no, what you guys are saying, are, they're, they're just living with it. Well, I know, but but that's what that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like it's, it's knowing who it is, Tarasov. right? But knowing who it is doesn't mean that that's not like a what are you gonna get? That's yeah, fair. And and so like okay, you have a name to put there, but it's still a huge question mark in terms of the results. If they're actually trying to go for it with moves like this, this is the recipe for sitting at the bottom of the league. Look at the Buffalo Sabres. This is the type of shit that they've done now for 15 years. 
you tr- when you try to shortcut this kind of stuff and you're signing these players eight years for a 28 year old player uh, to AJ's point, he's good. He's much better than what the local perception is of him. Uh, but it's just like, I just don't look at any of these moves and say, oh, these are going for it moves. I look at these moves and say, these are throwaway year moves. And in terms of Mike Babcock, like to me, my biggest issue with him is not Kenny Lee, but like what's he bringing to your organization? You know, the Avs flipped from the 48 point season to a, you know, now perennial playoff team uh, in one season, but you had your coaching regime in place. You had a new vision. You had a new direction you were going. Even by the end of that 48-point season, you could see culture starting to shift. My thing isn't necessarily, is Mike Babcock going to you know change anything, but is, is he even capable of that? Can you? We talked about it last week on the pod. With these old-school coaches, these retreads, especially a guy like Babcock, who's been out of the years now for several years, what are you looking for that guy to bring? Even if he brings... You know, outstanding coaching, X's and O's, and all this stuff. Like he doesn't, though. I'm saying, even if he did, well, I was going to say, and also he could go out and have a great coaching year. He had a lot of extremely successful coaching years at the highest levels. My point is, is he going to shift the culture there? Can a coach like that reset the way that Columbus clearly needs a reset after having the summer they did last year to come out and fall as flat on their face as they did? That should be a huge wake-up call, in my opinion. I'm with AJ. If you're truly going for it, go be truly bold. Go be truly bold and actually push your chips to the middle. This, for me, is two one foot in, one foot out, but we're trying to say we're going for it to sell some tickets. So I want to get back to Babcock in a second, but what you just said there is, I think, somewhat accurate because you look at Damon Severson's contract. AJ, you call him a second-pairing guy. They just made him one of the top 40 highest paid defensemen in the league to play on a second pairing at 6.25 million. Meanwhile, you know, obviously the Avs hit the jackpot with Devon Taves as a top pairing guy for less than five, but even Sam Gerrard, they're behind Kale, their highest paid defenseman as their second pairing guy at 5 million. I understand the second half of this contract is them saying, hey, look, the cap's going to go up. We're just not going to worry too much about paying this guy this much. But the first half of it feels like an overpay for a team that needs to be a bit more intelligent with their money. Yeah, I think it's probably more than I would have paid for Damon Severson, and I like him more than most people do. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I also think that when you're in the position of Columbus or Winnipeg, you got to make two, people come are, somehow. Yeah. Those are, those are two cities that are going to have to convince guys to come play for them. You know, the Gaudreau thing was a perfect storm of incompetence Some surrounding <laughs> that's yeah. Surrounding that situation. And uh, you know, with a guy like Severson though, uh, you know, it, it was funny to listen to his media thing where he was like, Oh, I was really impressed with the direction of the organization. I'm like, buddy, it's cool. <laughs> You can just say you were really impressed with the $50 million they gave you. Right, right, right. Like, it's fine. Nobody will begrudge you for saying that. Yeah. That direction is that money's going into my bank account. Like, (laughs) it's It's fine, man. You can say that. It's fine to be like, hey, look, I thought I was worth a number and they were willing to give it to me and I'll go play in Columbus. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So I do, uh, you know, I do think that it's probably a little more expensive, but um, 
I like I I I like I like where their roster is a little a little bit like they need a number one center. Uh, the Jack Roslevic, Boone Jenner, Patrick Kleine pretending he can play one. Season. Like yeah, like <laughs> you need a guy in the middle of two very very good wings in Gaudreau, uh, in Gaudreau and uh, yeah the. Let's pay attention, my man. Yes, Calgary offered more money, but uh, Columbus, uh, he did not want to stay in Calgary. He wanted to go home. Yeah. yeah, he wanted to go back close to home. He got as close as he could while still getting paid because Philly botched the whole thing and couldn't give him the money that he wanted. Um, so that, and that's why, like I said, that was a perfect storm for Columbus and why it remains such a shocking thing that happened. Um that's not a normal thing. They have, they've never been able to do that um, before. So Columbus is in that position where they have to pay guys. The, the, the roster though, like it, they've got a bunch of good young players, you know, obviously Cole Sillinger going from 16 goals to like three is a gigantic concern. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Alexander Texier is coming back from France this year. Uh, and he's been one of my favorite underrated young players for a few years. He's a guy to watch. Uh, Kent Johnson, another step forward. If they're and if they do use that third overall pick on, uh, say, a Leo Carlson, you drop him right into the NHL right away or the NHL next year. Like you're you're looking at it, and and Carol Marchenko scored a bunch of goals in really really short period of time last year. Like there's the the roster is interesting. They need to take a step forward, and with a guy mm. like Babcock, I think you're looking for a culture change where you're saying he's a grinder. He's gonna. He's not. This is not a guy that we're trying to get for five years. We're. This is a guy that we're trying to come in to change the tone of our organization. Yeah, like two years out of that. Yeah, game. and you're the gonna, John Tortorella thing. You're gonna exactly. You're trying to. You're trying to get these guys to grow up. You're trying to get these guys to take it seriously. You're trying to instill a certain level of culture uh, and seriousness into your organization. And uh, it's it's funny that we we talk about oh you can't like these these retread coaches can't communicate with the kids anymore but sometimes it's exactly what a young team needs is somebody to come in kick their ass a little bit and still a professional level of discipline in them that they otherwise aren't getting under all these player coaches mm-hmm. um, and and like and that's the hardest part of getting it right with coaching. You have no idea how your group of 18 guys is going to react to a coach. You have to get lucky. The Avs got really lucky that Jared Bednar was the perfect voice for that group at that time, and they all grew together. It's very, very, very hard to do. And that's why when those guys find those jobs, they stay in them forever. It's why why John Cooper is going to be able to be in Tampa Bay for another five years. It's why Mike Sullivan's not going anywhere in Pittsburgh. It's hard to do. So this well, AJ, is this is an interesting Babcock is an interesting kind of going back to the well here, especially with all the high quality high quality I should say highly accomplished retread coaches that are available out there to go back to Babcock who had such a spectacular flaming out uh, the last time he was in the NHL and it's fair to wonder who is Mike Babcock the coach right because he's never had sustained sustained success outside of when his rosters were absolutely yeah, jacked. I see this is why I don't think he has quality X's and O's. Is you've watched him outside of those 
absurd Detroit teams. You've watched him consistently get out coached in the playoffs. <clears throat> well, AJ, I want to go back to what you were saying because I think it's a really interesting point about bringing in a guy like that to kind of <clears throat> give a kick in the ass because you look at what happened last year for the Columbus Blue Jackets. That wasn't just a bad year. That was a horrific year. They were way worse than I think maybe we paid attention to because they weren't, you know, they weren't Anaheim. Oh, everyone was talking about Arizona and what are they? Like Columbus was terrible. They were far and away the worst team in the East. After the summer that they had landed Johnny Gaudreau, that should have been like a landmark day for that organization. You got someone to come to Columbus, Ohio, the highest, the, 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 you know, the highest profile free agent on the market chose to come play for the Blue Jackets. You had a guy like Line A there. Uh, you know, you had at the beginning of the year a goaltending tandem you felt comfortable about. Things went bad, and then they went horrific, and they just came completely off the rails. I could actually see, as AJ was talking through that, I can actually see why they decided to go with a guy like Mike Babcock, given the way last season went. It's, hey, <laughs> we're going to power through the next brick wall to get back on the rails, and then we can find our next guy. But we need someone to come in who's been around, who's been with Hall of Fame players, young players, uh, you know, young rosters, veteran rosters, all that kind of stuff. We need a guy that's not going to be surprised by what happens because it felt like a lot of last year when things started to go bad, there was no one in Columbus that knew how to stop the bleeding and get things under control. I, I think Babcock is interesting. And I think where I've earned a little distrust is because of what Tortorella brings to the table as a coach is kind of similar in my eyes and for mm -hmm. what it's worth they played some of their yeah. best hockey under torts and his second year with Columbus was one of their best and so I could see if this is sort of a shorter term solution at least for yeah. right now doesn't mean Babcock yeah. couldn't yeah. It... emerge as a guy in their long-term plans a couple seasons from now but yeah. it does seem like they're looking for the same type of jumpstart that torts brought but it obviously wasn't a perfect fit because there are players, at least as it's currently constructed, that didn't thrive under Torts. And so to me, they might run into mm -hmm. similar issues under Babcock. But yep. if they're looking for something as a solution in the immediate, it, I mean, that did happen with Torts too. So I could be talked into it. That's just where I have some trust issues with how this is going to play out with Babcock. This... This coach to me, Jesse, feels like the exact same thing you were talking about with their moves. It feels halfway. Yep. I agree with that. If you think you're, you can actually compete, this guy doesn't feel like he gets you there. And if you think you need this guy to get you to competition, then why are you making all these moves to try and compete now? That I agree. And that's, you know, when AJ was saying earlier, if you're really trying to be bold, fine, trade the third overall to me. If, if I'm, if I'm stepping back and I'm running Columbus, you know, a week ago, I, you know, I, I wouldn't have signed these guys. I would have gone the hard youth movement for this year, taking that third overall. You bring in Babcock, you try to reset the culture a bit, and then you can start making some moves after this year, after you've kind of come out of that first phase of how horrible last year was. But if they're not going to do that, like I said, I'm with AJ. If you're going to be bold, go be bold. Move the third overall, cause some chaos, and, and restructure your team. Because otherwise, I agree with what you just said, Rudo. All of this stuff to me feels half-baked. And I'm anxious to see what they do the rest of the way because none of this, I don't think, spells any level of hard success. Well, I would, don't I, think I, your burritos half-baked is what I would say. Uh, 
also you don't bake good, burritos. Good well, you could bake a burrito. I mean, yeah, you know, totally. depending on the style of burrito, but I'll throw them okay. in the air fryer. They're delicious. Ooh, yeah, good call. That's not what is that just air frying? Is that a verb? Or would you say yeah, I fried like frying. it? Frying. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I yeah okay. It. I mean, okay. the option on the fix is air fry, so <laughs> yeah, it's got right. a separate bake option, so I'm like Whatever. Don't do any of that. Just let Illegal Pete's go make your burrito, all right? Go get a good one with them. They have fresh ingredients, all sorts of options for anyone and any diets that you might be on. Uh, you can go check them out. They have happy hour right now from 3 to 8 p.m., the longest happy hour out there. You can go hang out on the patio when the sun is out. You can go inside when the rain is out. You can get your deliciousness all the way around. Best thing to pair with it, one of their margaritas during happy hour. Burrito, margarita, you're living the dream all the way around with the legal Pete's. They have actually 11 different locations now here in Colorado. They opened up a new one. So go check it out. There's one just a couple of blocks from the DNVR bar, which uh, if you don't get to the DNVR bar very, very quickly, you're going to get hmm. turned away because that thing is going to be full oh. tonight. I think they opened <laughs> at one. Yeah. And it's like already full, but they'll pack some more people in there. But you better get there soon if you want to be at the bar for the game tonight. I'll put it that way. Uh, 6.30 tip, right? Yeah. 6.30. Check them out. Also, go get yourself some Shady Rays so you can be looking good when you're out on the patio. not staring into the sun and going blind. Shady Rays has you covered with amazing sunglasses for a great price. You can go to Shady Rays. Dot com. Use the code DNVR when you order. And if you order two pairs or more, you get 50% off your order. That's essentially buy one, get one free from Shady Rays. They have tons of different styles and setups, different polarizations. They even have blue light glasses if you, excuse me, stare into a, a screen all day like I do. So they've got that covered. They have ski and snowboard goggles. If you're a person who likes to hit the slopes, they got you. And their care plan is the best part. It's completely free. First 30 days, you break them, you lose them, or you just don't like them, they will replace them for you. If you have them, you just have to send them back. If you lose them, well, you know, they'll just send you a new pair for that. But go check them out at ShadyRays.com, or if you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. Use the DNVR code to get your sunglasses today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I wanted to, to shift this towards the Avs. You've seen Columbus make these moves aggressively. I think we've all talked that it's probably a reality. The Avs, not 100%, but are probably looking to move their first round pick. Is this something they should wait until draft day to do? Or is this yes. something they should look at? Yeah, I know for our content, <laughs> we would love for them to wait until draft day. But mechanically, should they be aggressive? Should they look to get a deal done? You talk about the trade deadline last year. They watched O'Reilly go a month before the trade deadline. They watch all of their options fall away as the trade deadline got closer and closer. Should they pull a trigger now and look to do something before that happens again? Well, I mean, in theory, just the way that markets work, right, with the combination of supply and demand. Look what look at what happened when the Avs waited to free agency day to solve their goaltender position two years ago. They I, waited I, it I, out. They yeah. played chicken with the market. They lose out on Freddie Anderson. They lose out on the ability to bring back Philip Grubauer um, because they obviously they drew their line in the sand and they made their choices, whatever. There were two teams, two high-profile teams looking for a goaltender. The Avs ended up paying a pretty substantial price in order to win the Darcy Kemper sweepstakes. That got them one year of, of the player. They win the Stanley Cup. Everybody's happy, okay? But that's 
that's what happens. That's the price that you pay when you are last at the table. You're the mm-hmm. last dog at the bowl there. If they are able to get out ahead of this market, everybody wants centers. But if they are able to get out ahead of this market, uh, look, Winnipeg is moving both Mark Scheifele and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, are they going to move them this summer? I think they probably have to move Dubois, just how it sounds. It sounds like that's going to have to happen. They might hang on to Scheifele and say, we're going to have the top guy at the deadline that we're going to move. We'll just, you know, we'll keep that. We'll keep him and we'll see how the year goes. We'll talk to him and we'll talk to him about what his number is and whatever, whatever. But you're talking, you're talking about both of those guys should be available. Both of those. And you can't sign either one of them long-term it's one year. Now what's the price for that? Is it, is it 27 overall and Sean Barron's for one year of Mark Shifley? If Mark Shifley goes out and scores 40 goals as your two C and you win another Stanley cup. Do you care? Do any of us care about the price paid for Darcy Kemper? <laughs> no. I, I forget what it is more and more every single day or what it was more and more every single day. So, yeah, the funny thing is because they won the cup, they got they lost out on an extra third round pick. Right. Like that was the condition on it. So it's it, and that's like best case scenario. Hey, it worked. Now, if you go out and you do that and you you pay you pay out these assets uh, you, this this year's first round pick and Sean Barron's and whatever, and you don't and you don't win that Stanley Cup, but that guy walks in free agency. You're in this same exact position next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, if you to answer your, to go back to your original question, Rudo, if you get ahead of this market, you're picking between options here, and the prices hasn't haven't totally been set, and there isn't going to be a desperation and a leverage because. You know Ryan O'Reilly's going into free agency because you know that at the end of the day you could just say, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cave into these trade demands that are outrageous because I could just go into free agency and try and give Ryan O'Reilly money. Yeah, and that's that's where they will have leverage. The earlier they try to try to make a decision, the 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 real problem for me is that they're, they're just their assets just aren't very good. They're asset poor. Megan, you seemed a bit apprehensive about giving up some of those assets. It was very specifically sending Sean Barons to Winnipeg that I wanted to <laughs> Okay. Um, Got it. But and that was where I would have some care. Like if we could find a different trade partner wherein his destination perhaps wasn't Winnipeg, I might feel more comfortable with it. But I think the conversation about them not having many assets to leverage right now is why I could see them and be comfortable. And you guys have talked about this on the pod. If they gave up their first for more picks in a second, I could really appreciate what that could do for their prospect pool, because I think it is necessary at this point, though I do think they need to make some decisions for the current roster to have an immediate impact. They just don't have a lot to leverage. I personally think we value Sean Barron's higher than the league probably does. Same for Oscar yeah. Lawson. And that, in a way, works to my advantage because I don't see that being used as a trade chip at the moment. I'm not really worried for Sean Barron's right now. But it also <clears throat> paints a great circumstance that the abs don't have as much, at least through prospects, to leverage at the moment. And so we're either looking at roster players or this upcoming draft and future. Or... See, I I actually think if if you're gonna make a move for something like if you or if you're even in the mindset of a, a Pierre Luc Dubois, are we interested in this? I think 
a lot of your prospects might be going. Like as as bare as the cupboards already are, like you're gonna be able to see the back of them by the end of this year if they're looking at guys like Pierre Luc Dubois, because that really is like cool. We're gonna go as hard as we can for the next year. I'm just not sure. Can like I'm not sure. I, and I'm not saying they're gonna do that. I'm just. It would be convincing enough, which sounds horrible. I just don't know if Winnipeg would value a package like that. Well, well, and and if you do that. You can't miss. Yeah. But if you point. do that and you don't win the cup, it's terrible. It feels bad for everybody. But but I mean, but so hold on. J- just are you saying like if you move, you know, some of the remaining prospects, barons and stuff? Yeah. I mean, and like if you move one of them, okay, fine. But if you're talking about two, three, four of these guys. Like who? So and and just like so, Barons, Olausen, Barons, Foodie are probably the two that okay would uh, Olausen and third one. And I honestly I wouldn't move in and then at all full stop. But Annan would be the fourth guy on that list. Yeah. So I'll give you guys Annan, and he's the one guy that I still I, I know the team really really has high hopes for. But for me, it's just one of those things where it's like, how bad would it really feel? Because to the point that we're making. Where are these prospects really? I hear what you're saying, but also, you know, if you get because if we're, nothing if we're not out saying... of those guys past next year, like you, you trade for PLD and the Evs lose in the second round. Sure. It, you get nothing. And maybe you get but, nothing out of them anyway. We don't know. This is why trading in the NHL is so my, hard. My, my, this is my the point conversation is about all these guys, though. It's PLD, it's Shifley, it's Lindholm, it's Backlund. Yep, right. It's, Every single one of these guys, whatever whatever your preferred pending UFA is, mm-hmm. almost almost guaranteed to lose that guy in free agency next year because they can't sign him. And that's why the other conversation is you aren't trading those prospects. You aren't trading a first-round pick. You're trading Devontae's or you're trading Sam mm-hmm. Gerrard. Mm-hmm. You're getting rid of the $5 million, You're moving out the $5 million, You're making your saying, roster worse at that point. You're saying – yeah. and you're saying, hey – we think that we can go out and we can. We're going to trade Sam Gerrard away uh, in a in a deal for a number two center, but we think we can go get a guy that can move pucks the way that Gerrard did yep. for yep. half the price. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Columbus and I'm gonna say I'm gonna go get Adam. Give me Adam Bokvist or Jake Bean, just as an example to tie this back to earlier. One yep. of those two young puck movers who are making literally half of what Sam Gerrard is right now. And then you're reallocating some of those long-term roster assets. And you're saying, this opens up the possibility that we can keep Devontae's long-term. Or the two C's long-term. If you are trying to do something beyond just one year, and this is all why this two C thing is so tricky. Because there's not very many very good options available. Everybody's going to want them. And their assets aren't great. But... If you are looking at a multi-year thing, this is where Nick Schmaltz comes in. This is where Kevin Hayes comes in. Those types of guys where you're saying you're trading assets, but you're also knowing I have a fixed cost on these guys for the next three seasons. Yep. Mm Because both Schmaltz and Hayes have three years left on their deals. And that might be, we're not getting as good a player as we could, but we're getting the guy that we can can get the best... you're getting combination stability of, in your cup window for the next well, three and years. Yep. You're getting you're getting a best combination of cost certainty uh, and, and a guy that you can deal for, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of your assets, and then move on from there. You know, and if you if you keep Sean Barons and all of this, that's great because 
You move out Sam Gerrard. You hope to sign Sean Barron's at the end of next year. Replace have him make your roster, <laughs> and you're and you're kind of like, okay, hey, we replaced Sam Gerrard with a younger version of Sam Gerrard. Like that's an ideal world. If or that's if, yeah, or say like, look, totally, honestly, like yeah. it, whatever it is, if they could get an NHLer out of any of those guys, it is a huge win for them because it's it means that they don't have to go and get somebody to do that job. They yep. found somebody to do that job uh, for for totally for free. If that's if that's going to be the case, fantastic. Right. But that's this is why I keep coming back to Ryan O'Reilly makes the most sense. Yeah. Because it doesn't cost you anything other than money. You yep. get to you get to go to the draft and use that first round pick. Do whatever you want with it. You go into free agency and you sign that guy. Not only do you get a cool story of him coming back home, but he fills the he fills a role for you that you really, 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 really need, and he kind of ties your whole roster together because they can find the Evan Rodriguez of the world and what what whatever they can find whatever they need. But uh, in terms of wings, they're just not hard to find, and in this free agent market, that's where they're flush. Well, and and to to the the point that was made earlier. I, I... Me and AJ are on the same page on a lot of stuff today because I, I, I'm with him. We started talking about this a little bit where it's like, look, if you're really trying to solve the issue at the top of your lineup, I'm with you, AJ. I think you got to start looking at the Sam Gerrards, at the Devon Taves. My point with those young guys of like, yeah, if you move on from me, you don't win. I, I don't see it as, as a disaster because we're literally sitting here saying none of those guys are good enough to bring in anybody that really solves an issue for you. So if, if that's how we are viewing those prospects, then you got to go somewhere else. I like what AJ just suggested. Use those guys to fill in, and, and whether that's through trade or through development or whatever, to fill in for the assets that you do move off of your roster. I, I think that's what you're looking at if you're wanting a big impact trade. It's that first, it's a roster player that frees up money, that, that allows it to work, and then you can use those prospects. I, Megan, you and I have talked about it privately and on the pod. I like Sam Malinsky. He showed enough there in the limited sample size in the American League to pique your interest. He plays a style I think that the Avs like. The skating's got to get a little bit better. He's got to be a little bit quicker on his feet. But I think there's an interesting player there. Obviously, Barron's interesting player there. I look at that and say, you've got two defensive prospects that you like. You like to love, depending on where you fall on the scale. And you have a massive problem at 2C. You also don't think you have the assets to make a big deal. To me, it starts coming, it keeps coming back around to if you want to go the trade route, it's got to be Taves or Gerard. If you don't want to go the, the trade route, I'm again, I'm with AJ. It's Ryan O'Reilly. So, I'm oh, sorry. Well, no, well let's say, Megan, I, I cut you off too. Sorry. I just wanted to drive home the part of this is the rumor in of the prospects right now. It doesn't mean Olauson won't pan out. It doesn't mean Foodie won't pan out. It doesn't mean Barons won't pan out. I just don't think they fetch much value right now yet. Honestly, Foodie, because of the nine NHL games, might draw more intrigue than some of these others just on that basis alone. But I also wanted to talk about Nikolai Kovalenko and wonder if because he is projected so point. well in the KHL, and there is uncertainty like, okay, well, if he's going to come over, it's going to have to be for the Avalanche. And I wonder if the Avs look at that at all as an asset that they could leverage in all of this conversation, because that perhaps beyond anyone we've discussed so far might fetch a return that could be interesting. It, I it think certainly if, 
you you have a team that if the Avs say, hey, go talk to Kovalenko. If he wants to sign with you, we can work out a deal. I may, in theory, could be the Avs' most valuable prospect. I I think Kovalenko. I think when you watch the team this year, not fill a third or fourth line wing job, it's because they expect when Kovalenko's contract expires at the end of this cage on March thirty first, he's coming. <laughs> exactly that he is going to be here in April. That he's going to be he's kind of going to be a college signing for them, where he's going to show up right at the end of the year. They're going to give him an NHL job. It's very obvious Nikolai Kovalenko is not coming over here to dick around with the Colorado Eagles. Right, right, right. He's coming over here to be an Av and to be an Av only. And I think the Avs, I think the Avs are comfortable with that. And I think that they are going to keep a spot for him. Um, and because I think that there is an understanding of at the end of his current KHL deal, he's coming. And I think that if he wants, if he wants that to be as soon as possible, he can come over and essentially get paid twice because he will make what he's going to make in the KHL. And then he's going to make yep. all that. He's going to make the end of his ELC money. He's going to get a hundred thousand dollar bonus Fat right off the top. Bonus, yeah. They could probably give him a little games played bonus, like they did with uh, with a guy like Ben Myers. Uh, they could do. They could sneak in some uh, some low bonus thresholds for him to give him a little extra cash. But I do think one of the sneaky things of this offseason is that they are going to leave a bottom six job available, like. They're going to have guys. Obviously, they're not just going to not have somebody for that for for the. Well, that's where you could rotate for the first like seventy a, like years. Like a foodie or an allowance during the You're season. a robot. You're it it a robot, happens, man. man. Your, your headset's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what a funny kick him while he's down moment. It's we just can't hear a, you and your equipment it happens, sucks. <laughs> it happens all the time, man. Uh, but no, I do think that they're going to save a spot for Kovalenko, and I do think that we should we should keep an eye on that situation of. He's on. He's on his way over. So, uh, I I just think that that's that's where he's probably going to have his value. Is they're gonna they they could they could see if Olauson or Foodie could be a bottom six guy or you know Andre Pavel who we've heard about uh, Jason Poland. Like we'll we'll see about the we'll see about the college signings. I I think people are already putting the cart way before the horse with Sam. Oh Olenski. yeah, oh yeah. But but all of training them, yeah. camp <laughs> training camp will tell us the story. We are going to get hyped. I expect those guys will be at Dev Camp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these things. But I, I just I I will like we'll see with these kids, right? But so, you need to you need to have some sort of certainty this this summer. And I think getting to, to go back to the start of this conversation, Rudo, to getting a jump on this market and being the first team to make that move probably sets them up to have the best possible summer. And, and don't and don't end can, up in the same situation you were in at the deadline. Yeah. One that two, if we can bring back Howie's comment here, specifically the Avs this year have this weird one year situation <laughs> with Landeskog where they just have an extra seven million dollars to play with. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me ask you guys, cause I think Megan and I talked about it on Friday and we were talking about the Gavrikov two year deal and Elliot Friedman was reporting that <laughs> he I said, yeah, I, I yeah, think he could put that on record like three months ago, probably. He was saying, uh, like, I want, I want two years and that his agent was probably saying, yeah, I don't think that's a very good idea. <laughs> like, um, I, I don't enough. think that's I don't think that's smart. 
but he said, no, I want the two-year deal. And, and what Friedman was kind of speculating was that this is a player who's saying, I want this two-year deal. They gave me the AAV that I wanted, and I'm going to cash in again in two years, despite his agent sounds like maybe telling him, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Do you guys think that we will see any other players? And I asked specifically about a, about a guy like Ryan O'Reilly because he's always been, I will go to the highest bidder. If the Avs just threw more money at him on a one-year deal than anybody else, do you think there's interest there for him? Because it's like, look, you're still going to be highly coveted next year. You'll still be a top six center. You'll have played a year on this team and maybe you'll have added another ring. Do you think you could get Ryan O'Reilly on a one-year deal? Do I think you could? Maybe. Problem there is O'Reilly will be 33 at the end of next season. He's not quite as young as some of these other guys. So doing a one-year deal is in a lot of ways for him just taking one year off of his next deal. Which, yeah. you know, if the Avs say, hey, here's $10 million, uh, there's no way he says no. Now, <laughs> right. no one's going to offer him $10 million. So right. we've we've had conversations about doing stuff like this in the past where, hey, if a guy, if Ryan O'Reilly is going to get a three-year, $5.5 per kind of offer, what if you could just give him two years at $7 million, two million, two right. years at $8 million, right? Like, do something a little irresponsible there. Uh, but you, but you, but you cover a lot of the gap, and you open it up. So you say, "Hey, uh, you know, you only need, you know, I guess in this case it'd be like one year, like eight million, mm-hmm. where you're like, hey, we're gonna way overpay, but you're gonna get, you're gonna get paid, and the gap between, you know, the eight million dollars that you would have given up to sign this deal, you'll still be able to make over the next two yeah. years." Yeah. All right, let me call the bone surgeon. See what we can do. So no, I, I, for me, I think, I think the smartest thing with to do with O'Reilly is to give him a three-year deal. Uh, if he would be willing to do that, great. But I would give him a three-year deal, and you know, I mean, look, you don't know if Ryan, unless you know Ryan O'Reilly, you can't say he doesn't want to play here or not. There is nothing. There's nothing on the record that says Ryan O'Reilly wants to play here or not. I haven't heard anything. I have no idea how he feels about the avalanche organization. I really don't. That has always been a guy that has been money first. He's made that very clear his entire career that he wants to get paid. And he consistently has that, has had that attitude and that's fine. So if the abs are willing to give him money, I'd be willing to bet that he, Hey, if they, if they have the best, if, if they have the best contract on the, on the market, I bet he takes it. And it's always been, I'll say to the comment that said that there's a that O'Reilly's going to go back to the blues on a discount. If there is one thing that dude has been consistent at above all in his career, it's that he does not give discounts. Yeah. That he discount gets might what be he like, thinks is worth. Yep. It'll be like 250 K tops, but right. Right. 250 K right. is still the kind of sports car that that guy likes to buy. He's not leaving yep. money on the table. He's yep. made that clear. He understands his earning potential is right now. Is he also understands he's at the end of that earning potential? Mm-hmm. So any kind of any kind of security is probably going to be a big deal to him. If you could, hey, if they wanted to give him a four year deal to get the AAV down to five, great. I'm for that mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, it does sound like the New York Rangers are just about done with making Peter Laviolette their head coach. Uh, another retread. Okay. Something we can talk about tomorrow, perhaps. Um, (laughs) 
just wanted to get that in there as the news. Um, for us, two things. One, this is the last day you can order merch and get it delivered by Father's Day. So if you want to get your dad some DNVR shirts, jump on that today. Get it in there uh, and uh, give your dad a good Father's Day of maybe some Nuggets merch. You know, just we, okay. we touch on this comment. Which one? The one about trusting him to be a 2C. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, I'm assuming you're talking. If you're talking about O'Reilly, yeah. he's he's way more than capable at 2C. Well, and I, I, I don't even. My answer to this is I think so. I'm not even convinced he's going to be a very good 2C. I think he's I think got the potential. Be... I think he's got I... the potential to be good. I think even worst case scenario, he's fine. And your your hope is that your your real thing here is you're trying to solve your 2C position for one year. Now, if you end up getting a guy like Kevin Hayes or whatever, you know, who's on a multi-year deal, you'll have him for multiple years. It doesn't mean he'll have that job for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Right now, the goal is to solve 2C for this upcoming season. And if there, you know, if, if circumstances change, if Alex Newhook has a big breakout, I'm not even saying expecting it. I'm just saying we're going to leave the door open for it. If that, if that happens and that guy ends up taking O'Reilly's job over time, because that's the ideal, is that right. a guy like O'Reilly would sign a three- or four-year deal, and, and by the end of that contract, he's your third center. There's and no you reason have to believe he can't do this 2C job next year. Sure, at the end of a three-year deal, he's 35, maybe that's a different story. But his history points to him being more than capable of doing the 2C job. Yeah, absolutely. In and in, in the event of anything else, you can always move one of these guys, these guys to a wing spot. If you need to, if you somehow end up with this this opportunity to have all these centers, you know, then you end up with one of those guys. It's it's great. Um, that's a fine position, but that this gets you through a year. Like your real goal is, I want to get through next season, and then you can reassess with with the the Tay situation kind of clearing up. You'll know what Byram's contract looks like. You'll know what Newell's contract looks like. You'll have clarity there. Well, you're also so, reassessing Gabe Landeskog next summer too. It, well, and yeah, you're going you're going to know. Are we going to have Gabe Landeskog back, or do we have that seven million dollars to spend probably for the rest of that contract? Because if he's not coming back for the next season, at that point he will have missed three years, and we're not having this conversation. Well, anymore. and and those conversations you just can't have yet. Those they have to come next summer. Exactly. exactly. That's why. That's why any long term commitment needs to be for way lower money that you could still plan around. That's why when I say if you go and get PLD, you're not keeping him. You're not yeah. you're not in a position. They are not in a position to sign a guy for an eight, you know, eight-year deal for eight and a half million dollars. The only way that happens is if they if Devon Taves is the guy that they trade. Because that would be the money that they would be allocating next year. That's the only way that it would happen. And then oh by the way, you're trying to find a top pairing defenseman. Which one's harder to find, a top pairing defenseman or a second line center? There's like, it's it's a tough conversation because how much longer is Taves going to be a top pairing defenseman? How much money is he worth on his next deal? Damon Severson Severson just got six million dollars. If you're Devon Taves' agent, you're looking at that going, my guy's a nine million dollar player. Right, right, right. I have the highest paid player on this team as a client. (laughs) Um. Okay, we do have to wrap up today's show as we're running along here. Uh, 
we will be back tomorrow. I think it'll be myself, Jesse, and Megan tomorrow. Is that our schedule? Uh, probably talking yeah. about how the New York Rangers are stupid based on today's news. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, lots of other conversations to have, though. Lots of lots of talk to get into as as things should start to ramp up for the Avs, whether it be draft, free agency, or trades uh, over the next couple of weeks. So we appreciate all y'all hanging out with us today, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.